All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Black Bullion Show. By the end of this video, you will have a complete knowledge of gold and silver history with respect to the United States. Now, before we get into that, if you're new to this channel, please hit that big red subscribe button right down below. Also, please hit the like button, helps to get this economic evangelism right on out there to the masses, bringing more people into precious metals. So, where does our story begin? Well, it begins in 1792 with the first coinage act. Now, simply enough, the act created these guys right here as the country's unit of money. Now, this right here isn't what you think it is. Yes, it is a Federal Reserve note, but this dollar used to be something completely different. It had a very interesting etymology. And if you want to get a quick history of that, it comes from uh, the creator, uh, Hieronymus Schlick. <laughs> he is essentially the creator of the dollar as we know it. Um, Schlick was the Count of Bohemia and began minting a coin called the Wackensthaler. And the Thal part that, um, of the word comes from a German word for valley. And Wackensthal is the valley where silver was mined for the coins. So you guys kind of picking up what I'm putting down here? Uh, if so, good. So let's continue to keep doing the science and go down this rabbit hole. Okay, so eventually, um, large pure silver coinage was accepted in Spain at roughly around 90% purity, and the Spanish dollar was eventually formed. Uh, so the Coinage Act of 1792 gave us, in the United States, the U.S. dollar. Um, now, in 1834, another Coinage Act was passed. Uh, in Congress, raising the silver to gold ratio from 15 to 1 to 16 to 1. Now, obviously, this was a, you know, um, a devaluation of silver a bit. And to me, this was a beginning of our descent into madness of manipulation. Um, now, What's interesting to note actually is the following here. Uh, check this out. Uh, check out this highlight here. Uh, after the Coinage Act of 1834, silver, which was previously overvalued with respect to gold, became significantly undervalued and was exported to European markets where it was traded at a higher price. Now, this is the most important part, guys, especially to the later part of the story. This led to its near disappearance from par circulation after 1834. That beginning of the disappearance of silver <clears throat> will play an important role shortly. So just uh, give me some time here. So next, we have the Coinage Act of 1849. Um, and this allowed for a smaller denomination of gold um, called the gold dollar, you know, and at the bottom of here, it says, you know, this was, you know, the, the California gold rush played a large role in 
coming up with these smaller denominations of gold, but I'm sure that the loss of silver in the economy made it necessary for smaller denominations of gold to be more in circulation for smaller um, uh, transactions. So let's take a look at the next one. The Coinage Act of 1853. Now guys, this is a big one. The silver shortage became so great against gold's oversupply from uh, you know, the gold rush and other things that silver content was lowered in coins and a new small denomination uh, $3 gold coin was created. Now check this out. More on the gold uh, coin shortage here. However, by 1847, the world ratio of silver ounces to gold had declined to 15.66 to 1, setting on a collision course with the mint's legal ratio. In 1849, this ratio was worsened dramatically with the onset of the California gold rush and the discovery of new gold deposits in Australia in 1851. These new gold discoveries more than quadrupled annual gold production from an average of $36 million in the 1840s to $155 million in 1853. As gold flooded the monetary markets of the world, its commodity price declined due to its higher supply. This in turn caused the price of silver relative to gold to skyrocket. American silver became a premium with the bullion value of silver far exceeding the face value of US silver coins. Melting became rampant as speculators could sell off their silver coins as bullion for its more profitable world market value. Small silver coinage, which retail businesses and consumers relied upon for minor transactions, soon began to disappear, forcing some businesses to pay premium values just to obtain change. Now, that is insane. So this was a big year as far as the story of gold and silver is concerned. Let's keep going down the rabbit hole. Next, we have 1857. A new coinage act reduced the size of the one cent and actually ended foreign coins as legal tender. Um, this limited a U.S. money supply and essentially crushed its European competition. Let's take a look at the Coinage Act of 1864. Um, this saw the creation of the uh, two cent and they added, in God we trust onto those. Now, here's another big year that I'm going to be showing you guys. Now we've come to the crime of 73. And no, I'm not talking about Nixon closing the gold window almost exactly 100 years later, this was 1873. Uh, but I do find it a little freaky and interesting, you know, given what happened in 1873, which just, you know, literally a hundred years prior to another big shift in, um, in the uh, metal history. 
So what effectively happened in 1873 is that bimetallism died. And I quote, in abolishing the right of holders of silver bullion to have their metal struck into fully legal tender dollar coins, it ended bimetallism in the United States, placing the nation firmly on the gold standard. Because of this, the act became contentious in later years and was denounced by some as the crime of 73. And man, like, doesn't history repeat itself? It seems like every century we just repeat ourselves. Um, or I should say we rhyme with ourselves as um, uh, Mark Twain said, history doesn't repeat, but it definitely rhymes. So, you know, I just kind of look at this as, you know, pretty interesting just because unlike what was written in the Bible, uh, you know, when man rules, he makes the sons atone for the sins of the father. You know, remember in, in 1834, silver began leaving the U.S. shores um, because of that prior coinage act. Now, uh, the gold standard was then put into law in 1900. This meant that the gold dollar was now the standard unit of account. Now, that is the smaller denomination of gold. This, the small gold dollar was now the unit of account as opposed to the silver dollar. Um, and pretty much all forms of money issued had to maintain parity to the gold, uh, to the gold dollar. This now brings us to the Gold Standard Act, um, or I should actually say um, the Gold Reserve Act. This is where I actually wanted to go to. Um, now, this is another big crime that I think um, occurred in our history. Uh, I'm going to read this highlight here. The United States Gold Reserve Act of January 30th, 1934, required that all gold and gold certificates held by Federal Reserve, by the Federal Reserve, be surrendered and vested in the sole title of the United States Department of Treasury. It also prohibited the Treasury and financial institutions from redeeming dollars for gold, established the Exchange Stabilization Fund under control of the Treasury to control the dollar's value without the assistance or approval of the Federal Reserve and authorized the President to establish the gold value to the dollar by proclamation. Immediately following the passage of the act, the President Franklin D. Roosevelt changed the statutory price of gold from $20.67 per troy ounce to $35. This price change incentivized gold miners globally to expand production and foreigners to export their gold to the United States, while simultaneously by devaluing the U.S. dollar, it reduced deflation. The increase in gold reserves due to the price change resulted in a large accumulation of gold in the Federal Reserve and U.S. Treasury, much of which was stored in the United States Bullion Depository 
at Fort Knox and other locations. The increase in gold reserves increased the money supply, lowering real interest rates, which in turn increased investment in durable goods. Now, this is the one, this is the biggie that we all you know, know about here. So I don't need to beat a dead horse. And we know that this was um, a big thing that changed the course of uh, monetary history. Now let's go to the Coinage Act of 1965. Now, this one uh, was a pretty interesting one. Now, silver wasn't beaten down enough in this story that we have here. This is where we completely decided to put it out of its misery with the Coinage Act of 1965. Um, now, I won't read all of this, but I'm just going to give you a quick synopsis um, here where it basically says eliminated silver from the circulating United States dime, 10 cent piece, and quarter dollar coins. It also reduced the silver content of the half dollar from 90% to 40%. Silver in the half dollar was subsequently eliminated by a 1970 law. Now, again, history doesn't repeat, but it sure does rhyme. Take a look at this. There had been coin shortages beginning in 1959, and the United States Bureau of the Mint expanded production to try to meet demand. The early 1960s was a time of increased use of silver, both in the coinage and in industry, putting pressure on the price of silver, which was capped at just over $1.29 per ounce by government sales at that price. The silver in a dollar's worth of quarters would be worth more as bullion than as money if the price of the metal rose past $1.38 per ounce and there was widespread hoarding of silver coins. So, uh, you know, there was a lot of shortages that essentially caused the price to potentially rise here. Again, about a hundred years prior, we had actually we had, we had actual shortages of silver in the country and an increase in gold, which caused this huge shortage um, and shock in the um, in the country. Uh, so now let's get to the final chapter of the story. You guys know what it is: the Nixon shock. Now. Here's where our story ends, and I'll read this right now. The Nixon shock was a series of economic measures undertaken by United States President Richard Nixon in 1971 in response to increasing inflation, the most significant of which were wage and price freezes, surcharges on imports, and the unilateral cancellation of the direct international convertibility of the United States dollar to gold. So while Nixon's actions did not formally abolish the existing Bretton Woods system of international financial exchange, the suspension of one of its key components effectively rendered the Bretton Woods system inoperative. While Nixon publicly stated his intention to resume direct convertibility of the dollar after reforms to the Bretton Woods system had been implemented, all attempts at reform proved unsuccessful. By 1973, now remember this is a hundred years 
after the crime of 1873. By 1973, the Bretton Woods system was replaced de facto by the current regime based on freely floating fiat currencies, which is this guy that I'm holding in my hand right now. My friends, this is where we are today. So I always say, you know, hey guys, uh, click like on this video to help spread economic evangelism because YouTube um, helps to spread that when you, when you do so. But this time, this is extremely important and honestly, and maybe more important to just outright share this if you can. Um, you know, if you're a teacher in schools or who knows, if you are, um, if you know any teachers, you know, share this video with them and um, see if they would be interested in sharing this with their students. Um, it's, it's just something that they don't teach us in American public schools. They don't teach us this American history in public schools, which is just wild to think about. Um, so, you know, you may be asking me, well, why is this important, Black Bullion? Why are you, why did you give us this full history about, you know, the history of gold and silver in the United States? Well, the moral of the story here is that our life savings, which is the majority of us save it in these guys right here, is constantly being devalued. This is devalued paper year over year. It just gets more and more devalued. So that is why I have transferred this stuff into this right here. Now, obviously, um, you know, uh, this uh, American, you know, gold eagle right here is worth a lot more now <laughs> than what it was back in the day where, you know, it was um, capped at $20 and 67 cents. Um, and then later $35. Uh, now it's at 1776. I'm recording this on July 2nd. Uh, funny enough, we're a couple of days before um, the before Independence Day where we acknowledge, um, you know, the independence of the country being established in 1776. Funny enough, gold is now at 1776 today. Um, also, in long term, I also stack these guys right here, <clears throat> silver bullion. Because remember, we had a bimetallic system in the country. It wasn't just a gold standard. That is something that we all say um, constantly. We need to return to the gold standard. We need to return to the gold standard. Well, the gold standard actually was something that came about in 1900 um, after we got rid of, uh, you know, the silver, um, silver as legal tender. Remember, people couldn't even strike these things as legal tender um, at the U.S. Mint when they had them in possession um, after 1873. So in 1873, we got off of this of these guys, or I should say in 17, um, <clears throat> or yeah, in 1792, um, we established these guys as our money. In 1873, we got rid of this guy as money, 
so less than 100 years later. And then almost exactly 100 years later, this guy was not the international standard. Um, these guys in freely floating fiat currency exchanges, that became the standard for value. So there's the video, guys. Thank you again for listening to this long history of monetary um, of, of monetary history in the United States. Uh, please share this video. If you're new, please click subscribe. I hope to give you guys some more videos like this in the future. If you're interested, let me know in the comment section below. Thanks again for watching. It's Black Bullion.